Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Amen. We've been talking about limit-free living, and uh, I hope you've been enjoying this series. Uh, My mentor and friend and pastor is here tonight, Papa G. Grogan. He's here. Gary Grogan's here tonight. Let's give him a hand. Let's honor him. As soon as I seen his face, I thought I better be on my best behavior. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 34? You say, Pastor, we've been reading the same verse every night, every Wednesday night. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. There's still more there. There's still more there. John 3.34 And as you're turning, I just want to do a little bit of review. Hopefully you remember some of the things that we've talked about. And uh, one of the most important things is this. God gives His Spirit without limit. We can have as much as we want. And you know, in the first week we talked about how God gives so much that it's like going to the brass door for pork chops. And when those pork chops come out, we talked about pork chop mountain. You can eat as many as you want, and as long as you keep eating, it keeps coming out. And that's the same with God. God doesn't have a limit on how much of His Spirit He wants you to have. You can have as much as you want. Then in the next week, we talked about having the DNA of a marathon runner. That inside of every believer, because of the blood, there is a DNA to be a champion runner. But if you if you have an unwillingness to train, it doesn't matter what your DNA looks like. If you're not willing to train, if all you do is just sit around and eat Twinkies spiritually, you're not doing much with what God has given you, that limits the power of God in your life. And so in other words, the limits are on whose end? God's or ours? On our end. On our end. And we talked about the limit of distance, how we need to understand the proximity of His presence. The closer we remain to the presence of God, the higher the pressure. And we talked about how water towers at one time didn't have pumps to get to to get the water to all the houses. And so they build houses literally in towns around water towers. And we need to build our lives around the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the pressure's high the closer you are. And then we talked about stretching and hopefully you enjoyed that. That was that was kind of a take your belt off message. I want to I just I apologize for that a little bit. That was last week. And we talked about, you know, wineskins and, and and how what whatever whatever is unwilling to stretch the Holy Spirit will burst. And if you have an unwillingness to stretch in something new in your faith, that that's just a, that's a recipe for disaster. That God wants to do new things in your life, but you've got to allow a new wineskin along with the new thing. And tonight I want to talk about respect and reverence. I want to talk about respect and reverence. And here's that scripture one more time. It says in John 3.34, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without what? Without limit. Let's pray. Father, that's what we want. Lord, if there's not one more thing You ever give us, God, give us Your presence. If You don't give us anything else, God, give us Your Spirit. God, give us Your Spirit. Because God, if we have Your presence, if we've got Your Spirit, God, we're okay. God, we're blessed. God, tonight we say Your Spirit is more than enough. That God, all the things that we desire for, God, in life, pale in comparison 
to God being in the presence of Your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand that that truth is paramount and burn it in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. You know, to enter an environment requires a certain protocol and a certain respect. And we're going to look at both of those tonight. Respect and reverence. They're not the same thing. We're going to draw a finer distinction between the two and how each of them actually invites more of the power of God and more of the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives. You know, when somebody comes to your house and comes under your roof, and in the first couple of days, if they're a guest, you know, pretty much you'll let some things slide. I don't know about you, but I do. But if they stay past day two or three, we start getting into respecting my house. I mean, it's very, very simple. Day one, day two, day three, you come over and you do some disgusting things. You're going to let those things go because, hey, it's all about hospitality, right? But after a few days, it turns into, hey, you know what? You better respect my house. And how many of you know that if I came over to your house and I did some of the things that I do in my house, eventually you'd want me to respect your rules. Isn't that true? And if I didn't follow your rules, you'd say, Pastor, hit the road, Jack. It's time for you to go, man. This is my house. These are my rules. And I want you to respect this environment. So that's there's a protocol for being in it. I, I don't know. You want to say that word with me tonight? Protocol? There's also, to stay in, in an environment, to remain in that environment, there's a protocol called reverence. And if you think about the Garden of Eden, there was a certain reverence that Adam and Eve had to have. And, and God said, you know, He put up one limit. He said, don't eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and what did Adam and Eve do? Eventually they came and ate of it. And then what happened? They got kicked out. Isn't that true? So a disrespect and an irreverent attitude pulls you out of the presence of God. And so if you, if you want to go a little deeper with it, I'll just put it to you this way, okay? You can offend the Holy Spirit. You can offend the Holy Spirit. You can offend God. And that will limit how much of what God wants to do in your life. God has some limits. Now think about this for a minute. That one limit that was placed in all of creation, they crossed it, they disrespected it. They didn't follow the protocol of that environment, and so they were invited out of that environment quickly, right? That one limit turned into thousands, millions of limits because a curse came to the earth. And so now there's limitations in their work, there's limitations in everything else that they do. Are you catching the picture here? There's a correlation to respecting the simple things that the Holy Spirit tells you to do, and when you don't, that multiplies disaster. You say, well, you know, God, God, you can bless me anytime you want. Have you obeyed the last order given? You know, we want something new from God, but God says you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. You know, it's simple. Go back to that thing that God placed on your heart to do and do it. Respect His Word. Revere Him. You know, I look at the word reverence and the etymology of that word. It's actually a French word. It means to stand in awe. To have reverence for God means to stand in awe. That's what it means. And we look at the word reverence and we, we see that it means to honor also as well. It means to stand in awe 
with veneration and honor. Reverence leads to worship. And the old uh, English, the Anglo-Saxon word for worship actually uh, is a word that's worth-ship. In other words, it's giving worth. It's showing that, that God is worthy, that God has worth. And so with our respect and our reverence, we're giving worth to God. We're saying that you're worth all of me and then some. It's revering God. Now, I need to separate the two ideas here, respect and reverence, and we're going to do that right now. And if you're taking notes, this would be a good time to burn a pen. Okay, here we go. People in places should be respected. Watch this, but not worshipped. Right? The church building should be respected, but not worshipped. See, many people worship the building and not God. Others worship God, but don't respect his house. Yeah. They have a reverence for God, but they won't respect God's house. See, churches don't need to be cathedrals to have the presence of God. We think we they do, but they don't be. You know, look at the Old Testament. There's an entire generation that are worshiping in a tent. You know, God's presence to show up. We respect the tent. We give reverence to the presence of God. A teacher, a pastor, or an elder should not be revered. Careful, careful, watch this. Because remember, reverence means worship. It means to stand in awe, right? It means to give worth to, all right? But he should be respected. He or she should be respected. Many try to worship man, call man the head of the church, or say that his words or her words are infallible. He or she is to be respected, but not revered. I have a little trouble with the word reverend. I don't, I, I, I guess it's okay. But if we think about it for a minute, I want to give reverence to God. But I don't have trouble respecting my spiritual authority in my life. You know, but I believe that reverence should go to God. It's an act of worship. But respect should go to my spiritual authority in my life. When we go to a funeral, we pay respects. We don't worship the dead. We don't give them reverence. When we sing the national anthem, we take off our hats. I hope you do. You know, men and women went and died for you to have the privilege to worship God in this country. I hope you take your hat off, pay a little respect, cover your heart, right? It really bothers me, and I, I'm digressing here, but it really, really, you know, just some things torque people off. This torques me off. I go to a ball game, and you can't even stop long enough, say the national anthem or sing it, you know, and take your hat off, man. Cover your heart. People bled for you. That's, that's respect. Where, where is that? Where is that in my generation? Respect is nearly gone from our culture. And true reverence has been replaced with contempt and disregard. Many people don't believe that respect is a requirement spiritually. And that's what I want to teach us tonight. It is. You want to move any farther with God, you got to up the ante on your respect and on your reverence. Other people don't place reverence in the right place. And still others don't understand either of the two. And both, not operating in, offends God. It offends God. There's two things we see in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit can be disrespected or not revered, okay? 
we see that the Holy Spirit can be one, grieved, right? And two, quenched. Let's talk about grieving very quickly. When we grieve, something or someone is dying or dead. Grieving comes from an act that we commit in our life that we do that is sinful. When the Holy Spirit sees that and convicts our hearts and we continue in that sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved because someone is what? Dying. Okay? That's where we, there's a great difference between the two. Let's talk a little bit about quenching. Quenching is a sin of omission. It's when the Spirit of God wants to move in your life, not just in a service, and when the Spirit of God moves, instead of obeying that Spirit, you put out the fire, you quench it. And so it's something you're not willing to do. Grieving is a result of something you do. Quenching is a result of something you don't do. Both of them are irreverent to the Holy Spirit. And if you want to see the Spirit of God increase in your life, you've got to increase your reverence. When we honor God, great things happen. When we dishonor God, I want to tell you tonight, you better leave the lights on when you go to bed at night. Honoring God is important. A lot of people live by this kind of greasy grace thing. Yeah. Slip in and out of the world, slip here, slip there, slippery. They're just slippery people. You don't even want to touch them. They're so greasy. They're just covered. They're just covered in it's just greasy grace, man. Hey, I, I'll do what all I can. And then Sunday morning, you know what? I'm going to repent and pastor. I'm going to come to your office and confess everything I did. And then uh, Friday rolls around and I'm back to doing it again. But it's all good because I'm, I'm going to heaven. And then that same person will come back and say, you know, why is it I pray for healing and I don't get one? Well, think about that. Think about that. Greasy grace. Yeah. Well, why is it, why is it I'm asking God to meet certain needs in my life and I, I just, I, I, the door isn't opening for a job. You know, is it God's fault that, you know, He's not answering your prayers? Or are you at a place in your life where, you know, every Sunday you're giving your heart to Jesus one more time? Yeah. Greasy grace, dishonoring God, slipping around in the world, being irreverent with the Holy Spirit. Offending God has consequences. Say consequences. If you lose the presence of God from your life, you've lost everything. Just just stop, please, and think about that. Salah. If you lose the presence of God from your life, you have lost everything. Not your job, not your house, not some relationship that you you think is the greatest thing since whatever. You lose the presence of God. You've lost everything. We need respect and reverence, and it takes both. And I want to take you into an illustration here of one of the greatest movies of all time. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The first one. What a great movie with Harrison Ford. Remember that? I think it was all downhill from there, you know? Two and three and four were just crazy. But one, that was a great one. Anybody with me tonight? Hello. Oh, you don't watch movies. Yeah, you're sanctified. Okay. You didn't see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Sister, one of these days. Pizza, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sarah and I, great movie. Great movie. 
If you remember in that movie, Harrison Ford is spending a majority of his time looking for something in particular that will help him get to the ark. And you remember it was that, uh, it was that metal medallion that had two sides to it. And so he spent most of the movie trying to find that medallion because it had the instructions to find in the ark. And so without it, without the instructions, he couldn't have what he was actually after. And at one point in the movie, there's a bad guy that shows up, this German guy. And what does he do? He grabs a hold of that thing in Miriam's bar or whatever, and it burns his hand, right? And they go out and they make a duplicate of what is burned into the man's hand. There's only one problem. There's two sides to it. And so as the Germans go out as the movie carries on, and they try to find the ark with the instructions they have, Harrison Ford has the actual medallion, and on both sides, he's got the instructions. And here's what I want to show you tonight. It takes both. It takes both respect and reverence to find the treasure of God's grace in His presence. And the treasure, and the instructions rather, to the, to the treasure are in the Word of God. One side in the Word of God teaches us this. Now watch this. It's instructions for inviting the presence of God into our lives. And then the other side is something different. It's instructions for actually staying in it. Let me repeat that. There's two sides. We want to invite the presence of God into our life, and there are protocols to that. Hello? protocols to that you can't just do whatever you want and god show up okay but also there are instructions for staying in that presence and so that's where we want to be that's the sweet spot baby that's where god's at many people know all about inviting the presence of the holy spirit one day a week but the rest of the week they're out of the presence of god they don't stay in it And they wonder why there's these long gaps. There's these power failures in their life. And they're wondering why that is. There's two sides to this. And I want to put it to you another way. Here it is. You may be possessing the Holy Spirit, but the other side says the Holy Spirit possesses you. Oh, come on. Can I get a little bit of help tonight? You don't, if you don't open up a little bit, I'm going to preach the rest of this message in your front yard. For all your neighbors, you're going to open up some. Hmm. We're all about possessing the Holy Spirit. We want to invite the Holy Spirit into everything we do. God bless me, bless me. God bless what I'm doing. God bless what I'm doing. But are you doing what He's blessed? What I'm asking you tonight is, are you, are you following the other side of the instructions to finding the great stuff, the ark, man, the presence of God? See, there's another side that says, God, there's instructions for staying in your presence every day of the week, every moment of the week. You don't have to have a power failure. You don't have to have gaps. Things can happen more frequently in your life if you would just stay in the presence of God. Mm, 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 mm. Smith Wigglesworth, when asked what the secret was to the incredible anointing on his life, you know, 
You've heard the story. Thousands of people touched and healed. The great Irish revival, the Welsh revival that went on. He said this, there are two sides to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, the first is, you must possess the Spirit. And the second is, the Spirit must possess you. That's the problem with Western culture. We want the Spirit of God on Sunday and on Wednesday night. And pastor, you better bring it. You better invite it. Pastor, it better happen. Worship leader, come on. Pump it up. And then on Monday, man, we're doing everything but in the presence of God. Two sides. Does the Spirit of God possess you? Here's a man that counted the cost and everything was God's. He invited God's presence. And then he stayed in God's presence. He would go for weeks in prayer before he would go to a meeting. And the reason being is, he wouldn't arrive at any meeting unless he knew for sure by the time he got there, he was already in the presence of God. Here's our problem. We show up for it when we ought to bring it. You ought to bring it. It ought to be all over you. Instead of that greasy gray stuff, man, the power of the living God, you should be set on fire. Let's set the grease on fire. Yeah. Ever been to a dinner party before and invite a whole bunch of guests? And then as the night goes on, a few of the guests leave and they leave without telling you they're leaving. And then you have this thought that occurs to you. Are they all right? Did they leave? Did something happen that offend, offended them? You ever have that thought? Maybe you have it later. You lay your head on a pillow at night. And you just say, hey, why'd they leave so suddenly? What was going on? I want to tell you this tonight. Watch this, watch this, watch this. When the Holy Spirit is offended, He leaves without warning. There is, he's, God is not going to... And here's the reason why, okay? Because it is a privilege to have His presence. It's a, not a right. It's not our right. It's a privilege. And, and you know, we act like, well, uh, God be our guest and then God leave whenever you want. And, you know. And the truth of the matter is, He leaves and we don't even realize He's gone. And what a sad thing. What a sad thing. Oh, we need to repent. If that's our heart, something needs to turn around and change. It needs to. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture from the Bible that speak of irreverence and its cost. You're very familiar with the first one. It comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. You know, the ark was being returned from the Philistines. And uh, they weren't to put the ark of God on a cart. They were to carry it with poles. It was a long trip. So out of convenience... Instead of doing what God had said, remember, there are instructions. There is protocol for remaining in His presence. They decided to put the ark on a cart because it was convenient and it was easier. And because they did, a man reached out when the cart hit a, a hole, a pothole or something in the trail and went to stabilize it and, and hold it and was struck dead. There are things dying in the church and in the body of Christ because of our irreverence. Because we're not respecting the presence of the Holy Spirit and doing things biblically. We're doing things because some larger church has done it somewhere else. And we've seen it on TV. 
and we think, wow, isn't that a simpler, more efficient, cool, edgy, exciting way to do church? Let's do it because obviously it attracts a crowd. But is it biblical? You put the presence of God on a cart and cart it around. Something will die. There is a cost to that. Reverence and your commitment. Let's talk a little bit about that. How about Ananias and Sapphira? Let's talk about reverence in your commitment. There is so much irreverence with what people commit to do in the body of Christ. Again, it's a matter of life or death spiritually. You remember what they did. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They said that they had given a certain amount, and they didn't. And what happened? The Bible says they were both struck dead. Now here's what's interesting. This is after the cross, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in the dispensation of grace. And the Bible says that the Spirit struck them dead. Oh, I know our picture of the Holy Spirit is this fluffy dove. Probably a more accurate picture of the Holy Spirit is fire. Throughout the Old and New Testament, it's the power of God. It's the presence of the living God. And our commitments matter. Have you told God that you would do something, especially in His house, and committed to doing it, and then later said, well, that was no big deal. I guess, you know, I, I will let that slide. It's, uh, you know, whatever. You know, God understands. God understands. I want to read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says this, and I love this. And in verse 1, it says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Watch this, verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Oh, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Why should God be angry? At what you say and destroy the work of your hands, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. We make commitments to God like missions. And only weeks later, we stop giving. And we think there's no consequence to that whatsoever. You have made a vow before God. You honor that vow. There are blessings and there are costs. On either side, it's really up to you. You have made commitments to serving God. You serve in that area of ministry until you are released of your commitment. Hello? It's amazing to me, as a pastor, how many people come quickly to me and shed some illuminous revelation that they have from God of large ministry, and it's always large. In fact, I can't remember anyone ever coming to me and saying that God asked him to do something uh, consistently small. <laughs> they always show up. We always show up. Go, God is. God told me I, I'm supposed to do 